Well, good morning. This is the day that the Lord hath made. That sounded just a little puny. Let's do it again. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Being Palm Sunday, this is a day of rejoicing, isn't it? So um, it's also a day of rejoicing that, that we're seeing some, uh, maybe a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel with, uh, with the COVID and the, the, what we've been going through for the past year. I realized as I was preparing the sermon today that it was one year ago this week that Governor Kemp had put in place the first shelter-in-place order for the state of Georgia. It was also 103 years ago this week for the first mention of the flu pandemic that occurred in 1917, 1918, and 1920. And 104 years ago, this week, Germany sank the USS Aztec, which sent the U.S. into World War I. A short time after that, the Prime Minister of England, Lloyd George, was making a speech. All of a sudden, my mic got real hot. Lloyd George was making a speech, and at that time, his agenda was not popular with his fellow countrymen. And from the crowd, he heard a heckler yell to him, your grandfather peddled tinware from a cart pulled by a donkey. I guess that was kind of degrading back then. And Lloyd replied back, I digress for a minute just to thank the gentleman from the crowd for what he says is true. And in fact, after this meeting, if he would like to go with me, I'll show him the cart. But it was not until this very moment that anybody knew what had happened to the lost donkey. This morning, we're going to take a look at how to find something that many people consider lost in our current times. Our scripture comes from Mark, the 11th chapter, verses 1 through 11. Mark, the 11th chapter, verses 1 through 11. And I'm going to invite you to stand as we read and hear God's holy word together. From Mark, the 11th chapter, beginning at verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside on the street, tied at a doorway. And as they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? And they answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches that they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. 
He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. I want you to notice that the four Gospels, if we were reading uh, from the other three Gospels, we would find three Gospels that are very similar, one that is very different in their perspective of the donkey. Three of them talk about the procurement of the donkey, but the Gospel of John just simply mentions Jesus found a donkey. After his brief appearance, the donkey seems to get lost. Regardless of which gospel we, we read, however, the thing that comes to light is that the donkey is not the focal point of this piece of scripture. The donkey is simply just a platform, a place from where the crowds can praise Jesus with shouts of Hosanna, a place where he is recognized also briefly, even before his resurrection as the Messiah. Hosanna is a praise that contains a hope. It's a hope of salvation for the future, a hope that can only be given by the Messiah himself. See, according to the prophecy, the Messiah will sit upon a donkey and come into Jerusalem as a king. How many of you have seen the new Jumanji movie? I'm waiting for it to come out so that I can see it on CD. I'm not really going to go to a movie theater, but I'm, I'm excited to, to see this third uh, in, in the trilogy, if you consider the one that Robin Williams was in, the first. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that movie. And if you consider what the movie is, it's really an archaeological adventure movie. And all archaeology movies have two things in common. The first thing that they have is there's a lost treasure somewhere. And the second thing they all have in common is there's some sort of a map leading to that lost treasure. In today's scripture, the gospel writer, Mark, gives us a spiritual treasure map to help us find the ultimate treasure of God. What greater treasure can we find than the treasure that would be found at the throne of God. You know, there's a lot of people who still celebrate the treasures that can be found uh, at the end of rainbows this time of the year. But what greater treasure can we find than the treasure found at the, at the throne of God? See, we find peace and wisdom at the throne of God. We find power at the throne of God, power to heal the sick, to combat evil, and the power to literally transform death into life. That's the treasures that we can find at the throne of God. Most people have heard of the Omega Code and the, the Da Vinci Code. They've been out for, around, for, for a long time. There's a new one that's coming out called the Alien Code, and I imagine it has just about as much uh, stock as does these two. Um, but today's scripture gives us a different code, a code that we're going to call the Throne Code. And the Throne Code gives us clues to finding the throne of God. Mark shows us the passageway to the throne of God. 
And this passageway Jesus was special. They already knew that there was something going on with this man from Galilee. Many had called him a prophet. They called him Elijah, and some called him Elisha, and some of them thought that he was John the Baptist brought back to life. His power of healing had captured the imagination and the attention of many. They recognized he had a special relationship to God. But how did they recognize him as the Messiah? It was because he fulfilled the prophecy. A prophecy found in Zechariah, a book that many of them had read, that most of them had read. In the ninth chapter, the ninth verse, we read, See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. The fact is, Jesus Christ fulfilled all 158 Old Testament prophecies for the Messiah. Prophecy lets us know to expect the the Messiah. Are you ready if he were to come back today? When Christ returns, will you know what is happening? If we don't know the prophecy, it's doubtful that we'll know the one to whom the prophecy refers. Prophecy gives us a picture of the treasure we seek, the treasure of God. The second clue to finding the treasure of God comes in preparation. The crowd prepared by putting palm branches and their cloaks down as Jesus came into town. This was a custom for greeting the king. How have we prepared to receive our king? Preparation prevents lost opportunities. Have you ever noticed that all the famous archaeologists have doctor in front of their name? That's because they have prepared. Think about it. Dr. Howard Carter. Most of you associate him with King Tut. Dr. Bob Ballard, the archaeologist that found the Titanic. And Dr. Indiana Jones, one of my favorites. Yeah, it's because they've studied and prepared for when the opportunity presented itself, they would be able to recognize what they were looking at. Opportunity meeting preparation. So the second clue is in preparation. We continue to move ever closer to the goal of finding the treasure of God. Paul states in Philippians, the third chapter, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. Our goal is eternal life in the presence of God. The treasure found at the throne of God is the love of God in Jesus Christ. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem, how many truly recognized him as the unconditional love of God. A love that was seated upon a donkey. How many opportunities have we lost or just not recognized simply because we were not prepared? The reason we miss opportunities 
sometimes is because we feel spiritually empty ourselves. See, life is a lot like a bucket with a hole in it. Some things we do in life cause our buckets to be filled. Practicing spiritual disciplines, serving Christ through his church, helping others, and especially helping others in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Some things we do in life cause our buckets to drain. Living in a world of sin. Sin makes the hole in our bucket larger, and so it drains faster. How full do you feel at the end of your week? If you feel empty, then nothing that the world has to offer will satisfy your hunger. Only this unconditional love, this treasure of God in his unconditional love will fill your bucket. This is the love that Jesus demonstrated as he rode into town, even knowing what his fate was going to be within one week. The next clue to finding the treasure of God is in the procession itself. Jesus come into town and the, the crowd shouted, Hosanna. Now scripture tells us pretty clearly that the disciples didn't understand what was going on. So therefore, it wasn't Jesus' disciples that were leading the procession. Someone else had to be leading this procession. And so maybe understanding what they were shouting, the message that they were shouting will help us understand and identify these leaders. Hosanna literally means to save. It's an expression of praise with a hope of salvation backed behind it. The blind man, Lazarus, and Mary weren't the only people that Jesus had touched in a very special way. He was, they weren't the only people that he had healed. Spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, and even physically. In fact, in the 21st John, we see where Jesus had touched so many that they're not even able to record them all in the scriptures. In gratitude, all these people came to see he who had healed them. These are the people who are shouting Hosanna, people who recognize Jesus for his ability to recreate them in the image of God, to gain strength for the battle, to help those who are weary. The servants of the king always prepared a triumphal entry back into town as the king entered from battle. These are the people who Christ would later call his church. The procession in service to Jesus Christ gives us purpose and direction. If we're not in service to the king, then we're not in procession that leads to the treasure of God. The final step in the search for the throne of God comes in purpose. Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem did three things. It testified that Jesus was the Christ. He was the Messiah that they had been looking for. It gave a hint of his future glory at the right hand of God the Father. And it showed his final victory over sin and death. Notice again that the donkey just seems to fade away in the text. 
Now I want you to imagine for just a moment a personification of that donkey the very next day. On Palm Sunday, the donkey came in with Jesus on his back. People shouted, Hosanna, praise be to the king. They laid palm branches and their cloaks on the ground as the donkey came on the ground, walked across the ground. But the very next day, as the donkey came into town, can you imagine, you know, if you came into town and people laid branches and stuff, wouldn't you kind of puff your chest out just a little bit? I mean, wouldn't you kind of be a little on the proud side? So the donkey comes in, he's a little on the proud side, and he, by the time he gets to the center of town, he realizes nobody's shouting Hosanna like they were the day earlier. Nobody's laying their cloaks and palm branches on the ground. He gets to the well in the center of town, and somebody trying to get to the well slaps him on the rump to get him out of the way. And so he goes back home, you know, he's just a young donkey. That's what it says, the colt, the son of a, a donkey. And he goes back home, and he tells his mama, no, nobody shouted Hosanna today. Nobody laid down palm branches or their coats today. And his mama says, with all wisdom, foolish child, didn't you realize that without him, you're just an ordinary donkey? Isaiah 64 tells us that without Christ, our efforts are just like used rags. And just like that donkey, we are most fulfilled when we're in service to Jesus Christ. When I went to China, the local Christians referred to our team, there were 10 of us that went together, referred to our team as donkeys. Now, usually in any language, it doesn't matter whether it's Chinese, Spanish, it doesn't matter. If somebody refers to me as a donkey, I don't normally consider that to be a compliment. But in this particular case, I did. From the Chinese Christian's perspective, we were carrying Christ to them. For them, the service that we displayed displayed the love of Jesus Christ an agape love had come to town. Jesus Christ gives us purpose as we grow close to the throne of God. A clear purpose allows us to be intentional with our faith. It provides the answers to life's most complex questions. Some of you may recognize the name Clarence Jordan from America's Georgia. He's the founder of a movement that back then was called Kononia. It was a farm that was right outside of Americas during the 40s and 50s, 75 years ago. This was the start of something that you all will recognize because I know within the past several years, most of, of you have participated one way or another, whether it was your prayers or your gifts or your service in the Habitat for Humanities house that you built. This was the founding movement for Habitat for Humanity. With everything going on, however, in the United States at the time, Clarence Jordan wasn't a popular figure, either locally or around the country. And before long, he and the, the movement were both in legal trouble. 
And so he went to his brother Robert, who was a lawyer, and he asked him for some help. Robert later became a state senator and a Supreme Court justice, but Robert refused to help him. He said, I have political plans, plus I might lose my house and my job on everything I own. Clarence said, well, we might lose everything too. And Robert said, well, it's different for you. And I'm just not going to get myself crucified. And Clarence replied back to him, then you are only an admirer of Jesus Christ. You are not a disciple. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ gives our lives true purpose. The search for the treasure of God leads through prophecy, preparation, precision, and purpose. The treasure is not lost. He rode into Jerusalem seated upon a donkey. The treasure of God is his unconditional love in Jesus Christ. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ or just an admirer? Where will you be when love comes to town? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you not only for the atonement that he provides for us, but also for the model of love that he has shown us. A love that's infectious, a love that pours out of our buckets as our buckets fill because of the love that you put into us. Lord, I ask that you bless each and every person here today with that unconditional love and hold us close to you and we'll remain close to each other. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.